Hello, and welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast, brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 380, recorded live on Sunday, October 5th, 2014. And here are your hosts, frequent friend of the show, who has now relocated himself to be conveniently within driving range, Brendan Lapsley. Hello. And the man who hopefully won't mess up the audio, again, Dave Pillay. Hi. Good luck with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping we've got things pretty well under control, but we'll find out. I'm also having difficulty with the microphone every so often, where it's uh, deciding that it doesn't want to stay standing. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, so if you hear a crash mid-show, that's my microphone falling down. I really need to get a better mic stand, the one that came with this. The, the diameter of the feet on the, the mic stand is like eh, two and a half feet. That's the diameter. Nice. Yeah. Hi, Brendan. Hello. Welcome back to the show again. Thanks. And thank you for covering for Andy on such short notice. That's right. I've done it for you a number of times. Yes. Yes, you have. And then following normal uh, show procedure, I was ready about three hours ago. Good. Good. Yeah. Uh, I was not. My, My body decided that it was not having a good morning. Or rather, I think my body decided it wouldn't let me have a good morning. I'm really not sure of the order of operations here. Either way, I bet you ate something you probably shouldn't have. That's what I'm hoping. Don't know for sure, but that's what I'm hoping. So how are you enjoying your your first uh, Wisconsin fall? It's not that different from Michigan. No, although the jump from 85 degrees to 48 degrees in a week, that's that was not pleasant. Meh. I've dealt with worse. Yep. But you this is the, the first time you've been on the show since moving. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've only been out here for like a month. So Brendan has moved to Wisconsin. I finally got to him. It wasn't just you, but, you know. No, no, no. I I understand that. And the fact that, you know, you got a job that pays more than what you were making before and is much more in line with what you wanted to do than what you were doing before. True. How is the new job? It's nice. I mean, I'm still learning a lot of different things about what I'm supposed to be doing and getting a few things situated, but I'm almost done with my first project, so that's good. Woo! What is your new job? Uh, internal application developer for a uh, education company around here. So making things like their, their payroll system and the human resource management system. It's kind of what I figured, but uh, currently I'm doing more website work since that's where a lot of my background lies. So that's what they're having me work on. Oh, that's cool. All right. Well, should we uh, get started then? I don't think we have, we have a, a whole lot of stuff and it's a lot of the same stuff over and over again. Yep. And a lot of it being a little scary. Yeah, more than a little. It has like been a really bad week for getting hacked. I, now, did the um, uh, what was that hack that uh, came out like a week or two ago that Shell-shock? was freaking everyone out? Yeah, that one. This is not Shellshock. None of this actually has to do with either Shellshock or Heartbleed. But I did forget to post something. Uh, there actually was another hack. Chase Bank got hacked. Uh, how's that? Uh, hackers broke in and stole the names and address of like every Chase customer ever. Well, that sucks. It comes out to be a lot of people. Yeah. 
I mean, that's a very large company. Let me see if I can pull that one up real quick. But I mean, if it's just names and addresses, you know, there's not a lot of really scary things you can do with it. It may also be like account numbers. They said it wasn't yeah, it wasn't bad. credit card numbers. It wasn't the, the unencrypted credit card numbers, but uh, they still contact information for 76 million households. That's kind of crazy. And 7 million small business names. So, yeah, let me add that to the list because that happened. There we go. All right. Added to the list. But that was not all. That's not the only thing that was hacked. Um, some of these aren't actually that, that people were hacked. It's just that they've revealed new vectors. Like Flash. Or USB or going to a website. None of this is very good, and none of this is very reassuring. I'm sitting and looking at my desk, and on my desk I have like four flash drives. I have two phones that could be connected through USB. I have, like I have six USB devices on my on my desk right now. I don't even want to think about what's in the drawer over in the side of the room. So for the USB one, it's code that's actually stored on the USB though. So like anything that's at your place is safe. Hopefully. Well, hopefully. Uh, but this is the, the word of caution, is if you find a USB drive, don't just stick it in your computer. Yeah, that would be kind of terrible. Uh, this was something that a couple months ago, some, some what, what is it called, white hack hackers, the ones who do it for like security and actually do it to show that, hey, this can be done and here's how you can fix it. Mm-hmm. So they, they found a way to use... Uh, a USB stick as a vector for a hack to to attack a computer. And they said, hey, this can happen. We aren't releasing the code right now because we want people to figure out what they need to do to start securing against it. And then no one did anything. So did they release the code or did some other less um, ambivalent person figure it out? Uh, They released the code. Gotcha. They uploaded actually a link. You can go and download the code. Yeah, I'm gonna leave that alone for now. So I like I'm I'm kinda curious as to how it works, but they're they're making the claim that it's basically like unfixable. Which sucks. I can't hear you at all, Dave. You're like super breaking up. Oh no. Uh that's number one against me on the audio. Alright. Anyways, so there's that. Then there's the if you are a if you are a Mac user, don't go to specific websites. Yeah, that's that is just bizarre because I didn't think that was actually a thing anymore. What the Mac should get hacked or that, that there was code embedded in the website that you could just by going to a website like a legitimate website like going to a place that you you thought you could go to and not have a problem like Reddit that it would be able to install something on your machine. Yeah, I mean, did they get into Reddit's code, or is there, like, some kind of tie-in they're using? Oh, uh, you know what? No, this was mis- This is misleading title. I apologize. This is not someone hacking the machine through Reddit. This is, once you have the virus, the worm, it uses Reddit to find commands and runs them. Oh, that's, yeah. That's really different. Because, like, I, I really didn't think you could different. do that. I'm, I'm pretty sure you can't just, like, go to a normal website and all of a sudden catch a virus. Yeah, which was that a little strange. Right, I mean, well, we're about to talk how, about how you can, but... Okay, so that was a very misleading title. I'm sorry, everyone. 
Uh, Reddit is not the vector for attack. Reddit is being used to issue commands to already infected machines, which is still kind of an ingenious thing of like, huh, I've got all of these infected machines. How can I send them instructions without actually sending them instructions? Yeah, which, you know, going this way for an already infected machine makes perfect sense. But the way the article was set up, it made it seem like that's how they were getting infected. Right. So how are they getting infected? Does it say in here and I'm just missing it? I don't think so. It just says anyone with this backdoor entry. So, yeah. Plus, it only targets Mac users, from what I can tell. Hunting down the, the path, following the links. Good luck with that. God, so, yeah, you, you basically have to... I mean, the don't install software you don't know where it came from. And don't open weird shit in your email. And don't open weird shit in your email. And evidently, turn off Flash. Yeah, this was one that I was a little less aware of. This was one that I thought they had fixed a long time ago. I actually just went and verified my settings in Chrome after reading this. Flashes off? Well, click to authorize. Okay. It's probably the best way to do it. Although, like, even then, you'd see this, and it would look like it's coming from Google's ad network. So, some intrepid hackers have taken... Uh, the the ability to use Google's ads with Flash and put in some redirects and have some other automated things going so that when you visit this website and you have Flash enabled, it will redirect the Flash and then start downloading and installing things. But this is with Google's ads, right? So if you're using Adblock, I imagine that probably is, you know, helping uh, stymie this issue. Maybe, I hope. Maybe a little bit. I mean, it's got to help some, but it's definitely not the catch-all. Like, this is one of those things where you want several layers of protection. And stopping the ads in the first place, that would be a good first step. I like how this article is laid out, though. Like, it tells you what the issue is. It tells you to fix it. It tells you how to fix it with Chrome and Firefox. And the last paragraph is, if you are using Safari or Internet Explorer, I am confused by your life choices. I like this author. Hey, wait a minute, though. Internet Explorer 11 is actually pretty good. Haven't used that one enough. That's the IE or the Windows 8 one? Uh, it got backported. Okay, when I was looking into it, it hadn't. I think it got backported. Let me check my version of Internet Explorer. Oh, God, my son. Think... No, no, it's fine. It's loading. You're not Andy. His computer would be crying. Uh, the first thing that came up when I tried to load Internet Explorer was a warning about an extension that is taking a long time to load. The second thing that came up on Internet Explorer is a suggestion of speed up browsing by uh, by turning off add-ons. The third th thing that came up before a web page is, would you like to make Internet Explorer your default browser? So you're trying to back IE why? I'm checking something. Yeah, I have IE 11. Okay. Also, Microsoft's homepage is, like, terrible. Just go to msn.com. It is an awful, awful web page. I'd rather not. I can't, like, I, what, there's, where do I find anything? Like, it's just pictures of things, and there's a typhoon, and the typhoon killed a U.S. air, what? I, I'm so lost on this page. Michael Phelps, and I don't know. Closing out of it. Anyways. Speaking of Microsoft, that's a terrible, terrible web page. 
So Windows 10. What happened to Windows 9? They skipped it. They skipped Windows 9. Well, yeah, because if you think about it, I, I had this explained to me by someone. Um, if you like do searches and whatnot and just type in Windows 9, you're going to get Windows 95, Windows 98, things like that. So someone actually had posted that to Reddit and claimed to be a Microsoft developer. There has been no official comment about it. It's not outside the realm of reality. And if you do code searches online, people actually do use the shortcut of like, if it if the string begins with Windows 9, because that would catch Windows 98, Windows 95. Yeah, so it, it's one of those things. It, it's a little bit of a stretch, but it's in the realm of possibility. Plausible, I, I believe, is, is what Mythbusters would call it. Yeah, it's also the only explanation we got. <laughs> Other than where Microsoft live with it. Yeah, pretty much. And as we saw with the Xbox One, sometimes their naming conventions can be a little weird. Missed opportunity. Just the fact that people call it the X-Bone is, yeah, someone should have saw that. opportunity. I kept telling people, anyone I knew at Microsoft, it's the Xbox 365. So yeah, Windows 10 is coming out. Did you get a chance to look at it? Not really. I've just seen some screenshots. All I know is they're bringing back the start menu. I think that's their, like flagship uh, uh, feature. Well, after all the complaints about the uh, tiled view, of course. Well, but not even that, like, there's nothing else in there about what else they've improved. All the reviews, everything about it so far, the tech preview is like, look, the start menu is back. Not just the start button is back. The entire start menu has returned better than before. That's because they combine the tile view with the start menu it has risen from the dead yeah so see i don't know i never really we'll see what happens i never really noticed it because the very first program i installed when i bought my new laptop that had windows 8 on it was a start menu replacement nice yeah i have windows 8 at work and you know the five or six programs i use i just pinned them to my start bar i'm curious as to what else they did for windows 10 and is that, I'm gonna is that the see, final and official name, or is it going to be like Windows Expanse or something like that? At this point, with all of their announcements, I think they're probably going to stick with Windows 10. Yeah, but we all thought that they were going to do Windows 9. Did they actually come out with press statements about Windows 9? I... Once I start seeing press statements, then I start to think the name is kind of official. Working in a software company, I can tell you that is very wrong. That's true. We Well, then again, I work in a software company where we don't issue press statements. Nice. Like, never. Yeah, I mean, with Windows 10, I'm going to wait. It's still kind of early to judge, you know. It, it seems like every other Windows release is good. Uh, so I, we'll kind of see what happens. People say that, and I don't know that they, they know the full history, because... 3.1 was fine, 95 was fine, 98 was fine, NT was I'm bad, ME was bad, XP was good. I'm talking from like XP forward, because XP was good, Vista was bad, uh, more from a processing level, right. than 7, uh, yes, yeah, 7 was good, 8 was bad from a usability standpoint, so hopefully 10 will be good. Oh, we'll see. Yeah, as I said, I think it's too early to really judge. Oh, so we missed another uh, 
hacking article here. Yeah. The um, teenage hackers who hacked into uh, Microsoft and the U.S. Army. So much hacking. So this group, and, and this is great, you, you can tell that they are teenagers because their name is the Xbox Underground. Yep. What? That's some originality right there. Wow. Make a hacking group and call it Xbox Underground. I shouldn't make light of this, though, because these guys have hacked Microsoft and the U.S. Army and probably a lot of other places. They've recovered source code for unreleased games. They've recovered source code from console systems. They allegedly made an Xbox One before it was released. You realize that none of these guys are going to go to jail. They're all going to get locked up at the NSA and put to work. You know, a lot of people are saying that. And I'm not. You're breaking up I again. Said a lot of people have been saying that, but I'm not sure that that's the case. I mean, would why would you really want to give someone who is that much ability? Like you, you'd have to task someone who is at least as good as they are to watch them. No, what you'd have to do is give them a, um, you know, computer with no, like, connection on it and have them work on code on that. If they're that good, you know, with online work, they're going to be just as good with offline analyzing code and everything. Yeah, but you'd still... They are hackers in the traditional sense, in the, like, I'm going to break into that system. Yeah, good point. You are giving them access to the inside of the system? Do you really think that's the best idea? Hmm. Well, we'll have to see. I mean, because it, it said, like, almost immediately a couple of them pleaded guilty. Yep. So... Because oh, they were caught and they're kids. Right. So... And they were... I mean, I mean, they're, be... The ones who pled guilty are only getting five years. Well, that's not too bad, considering. Right. And they will certainly be able to find jobs. Whether or not they will be recruited by the NSA, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I doubt it'd be like NSA, but I could see them in a place maybe uh, like the FBI or something, or Army even. China. Like recruited by China? Yep. I guess I could see that. It all depends if, you know, someone can actually appeal to them. Either way, like, just having you, kids this young doing stuff like that is kind of ridiculous. You you have to figure out what they really want and what yes. they want to do and why they're doing it. And then you can start saying, well, we'll give you this and this and this so that you can do it for us and not cause major issues. Because as it stands, like, I'd never trust them to be near a computer. So kind of more like how the movie Hackers treated him. I've never seen that movie. It does not do a good job representing hackers, but it's an enjoyable movie. Is it on Netflix? I have no idea. Is it on any online thing? Wouldn't that be the ultimate irony? Hackers is the one movie that you can't get for free online. <laughs> so there's a, a lot of, of hacking and network security stuff going on. Um, oh, here's here's another one with, with network security. When you go to a hotel and they start saying, hey... Here's a free wired connection, but if you want Wi-Fi, you have to pay for it. And that's actually something that happens fairly often. If you go to a hotel, oftentimes the wired connection is actually free. The Wi-Fi, you yeah. have to pay for it. Yeah, I mean, it's getting more, more frequent that Wi-Fi is free, but yep. I, mean, I it's still out there. And a couple of years ago, that was par for the yep. course. Uh, and even when, when Wi-Fi is not free, you'll get like, 
uh, one person in a group will will show up and they'll bring a router. And so one person yeah. pays for the Wi-Fi and then everyone goes off of their router. Uh, why would you even need to pay for Wi-Fi? Because at that point, you just wire or the you router. Wire the, well, I'm saying if, if it's not one of the places that has wired for free. Oh, I see. So I've I've actually been at a hotel with people who brought their own router and, and we you know just hopped onto that. Well, the Marriott Hotel uh, decided they didn't like that happening. And so they started jamming the routers. Yeah, and then they got in trouble. Jamming a router is, is like, incredibly illegal. So did they, like, come out with any kind of statement going, yeah, um, we're sorry, we didn't realize that it was that bad? No, I, I think they knew it was that bad. They did with a statement saying that they have settled with the FCC. The FCC charged them $600,000 about this. Really, guys? Were you yeah. losing that much money that you, you had to, to do this? The question is, how long was their scrambler thing up? Probably not very. Yeah, I'm guessing maybe, you know, a month. I don't know if it was even it's that, because I saw somewhere that it was uh, specifically for a conference that was going on there. Wow. So another company fails at, you know, customer service. I was just thinking being decent human beings. Well, I mean, the two things are really the same thing, right? Customer service is being a decent human being and caring about your customers. They didn't care about their customers. They cared about their bottom line profits. And they pretty hardcore, actually. Yep. Okay. Um, Let's should we switch to like slightly happier news. Sure. Uh, there. Do you remember the Team Fortress Two knockoff Monday Night Combat? Yeah, I played a little bit of it. Um, I was terrible at it. I wonder how you'd be now if we it, went it was back like, to it. I don't know. It, I mean, it was like League, League of Legends meets Monday Night Combat or uh, meets Team Fortress. Yep. It had RPG elements. It had, uh, you know, everyone had abilities, and it was it was still class based. So it was actually a really cool game, very well developed. The studio behind it, Uber Entertainment, is back. Yeah, see, the whole thing, I actually would, got really annoyed with them after the fact because they came out with that uh, one you had to pay for, and then they made an entirely new game, which was the same game, but it was free to play. Yeah, but, I mean, Valve did the same thing. True. Valve didn't even do that. Valve made the old game that you used to have to pay for free. They're, they're trying again. You're breaking up. Uber is going for this with a new game. Is that better? Yes. Uh, with an RTS. Another game I'm terrible at, or game type, rather. Yep. The RTS in this case is uh, two apocalypses are happening at the same time, and you get to play one side or the other. You get to either play the robot apocalypse or because the robot apocalypse had already started, all of the humans decided to summon the old gods to protect them, which was not the best idea. So you've got like giant robots versus Cthulhu. Yeah. The game is called Human Resources because humans are actually the resource. Nice. And it's it's on Kickstarter. Uh, it looks pretty good. It looks the the art style is fantastic. And it's going to be an RTS where you play as either the giant robots trying to harvest humanity or the giant tentacle beasts trying to harvest humanity. 
Either way, we all lose. We all lose, but the game looks really cool. They are it's however, got a pretty high goal, though. Yeah, they are asking for $1.4 million for this game. And lately, Kickstarter has not been pulling in the numbers that it has in the last year or two. It's a lot of money. I don't know that they're going to make it. Honestly, I don't expect they are. Like, I've actually been reading a couple articles lately about how uh, some of the numbers have been changing. So, like, in 2013, um, there was, I want to say, something like 24 uh, video games that asked for, like, over a million dollars or something like that. And it succeeded. In twenty in the first half of 2014, there have been three. That's because everyone who wanted all the money to do a big project got the money to do a big project. Yeah, that's probably part of it. But I know like a lot of people, especially people I've talked to, have been a lot more hesitant about games because there have been a lot of high-profile failures. That's Although the ones that I've backed have all been pretty successful. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I have not backed much by way of video games i mean i backed one rpg that i'm that's supposed to come out at some point next year and one visual novel which is very low impact for a video game and the rest of mine have been like board games or like books yeah i'm looking through my my list of things that i backed and i've got uh some board games and those have pretty much all come out amplitude is still in the works um War for the Overworld is pretty much... It's almost done, and they're still going on it. Uh, I backed the Obsidian Entertainment isometric game Pillars of Eternity. I backed... Uh, what's his name? Robert Space Industry for Star Citizen. Although that technically wasn't on Kickstarter. That was independent. I don't know. I'm I'm debating about whether or not I want to back the uh, Human Resources yeah, I can already tell you I'm not going to be backing that. If it ends up on Steam, then I will probably get it at some point when it goes on sale. Okay, but not before that? No, I don't expect so. I Partially because, you know, RTS is not the kind of games that I go for. That's true. And I, I do have a hard time trying to justify kickstarting video games. Did I ever uh, show you or... or- Get you to see the the game Akron. Does not sound familiar. So Akron is a a uh, it's an RTS. So I mean, it already is points against it there for you. But it's a time travel RTS. Okay. And you can act. You as the player can actually move forward and back through time within the round. I imagine this cannot be played multiplayer. It actually can be played multiplayer. That sounds insanely terrifying. Yeah, because and you see where the other person is. So so there's the now time and you can move backwards and forwards from that point. But if you do, that costs a resource. And then sending commands to the past or the future also takes resource. Huh. But if you, you know, go to the past and refight the battle that you just lost then when the next wave propagates to the next player, because time propagates on these time waves, their screen will change, like, immediately. That sounds so confusing. It's really, really cool. Because, like, one of the, you know, one of the examples is, oh, 
jump forward five minutes and scout and see where your opponent is sending their troops. Yeah, uh, my mind's already like leaking out my ears just trying to think about that. It's so cool. I bought it a long time ago, way, way back in its early, early development. And it's just like, it is really hard to explain, as you, you can tell. Yeah. But it's so cool because you can actually have like multiple people all playing at different parts of the timeline. You can even send units back in time. I imagine that's costly, though. Yep. And oh, and and if you know, if you send a unit to me and you destroy one of my buildings and I go back in time and I kill that unit, my buildings come back. Nice. It's so cool. Okay, so enough about Akron and the RTSs. Uh, Andy's not here today, obviously, but there are some car topics. Stuff that goes right over my head. And mine, but I felt like we should at least honor Andy and and talk about these in his absence, because they are pretty cool. They both have to do with Tesla. A car company Uh, that that, people don't have much against. Right. Well, certain, like, dealerships hate them. Well, yeah. Those really bad web uh, clickbait advertisements, dealerships hate them. Find out why. Why do dealerships hate Tesla? Well, because Tesla sells directly to the consumer instead of through a dealer. That's why dealerships hate Tesla. But Tesla has has two things. First off, in no fewer than, well, no more than, definitely fewer than, in no more than four days, Tesla will be making an announcement. Uh, that is four days from this recording, by the way. So on October 9th, they will make the announcement where they are unveiling their Model D car. Do we know what? Model D is all about yet? No clue. They have the Model S, which is the sedan, which is the like consumer quote unquote level car. Uh, but they they haven't said what the Model D is going to be. So all in all, there's a new car getting announced. New car getting announced. We don't know much about it, but new car getting announced. Uh, the other thing, though, this so Tesla is owned by Elon Musk. Same guy who does SpaceX. And he 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 made another announcement saying, oh, and by the way, not only are we doing this Model D thing, but just so you guys know and so you're aware, uh, the next year, so by the end of 2015, Tesla cars will be some capable of, quote, 90% autopilot. That sounds rather ambitious. That's ridiculous. California has already approved Google's uh, automated cars for public roads. And now this. Now Tesla is saying, yeah, our cars are going to be more or less automated. This is pretty impressive. If they can pull it off, it'll be impressive. Yeah. What do you think, Brendan? Would you buy a a self-driving car? If I had enough confidence, definitely, because I hate driving. Really? Yeah, I'm not a fan of driving much. Oh, I didn't know that. Like, driving five, ten minutes is fine, but, you know... couple hours? Anything more than... Yeah, that's just... Yeah, I avoid it if I can. Okay. Well, good for me that, that my house is now only, like, ten minutes away from yours. Yeah, that's still within the range of doesn't bother me. Yay! So, Tesla self-driving cars by, like, two years from now. That's pretty impressive. Uh, other cool news. Here's a throwback. Throwback to, like... 1999 Homestar Runner. They have a new video. They did promise uh, back in April of this year 
that the site was going to be coming back, that they were going to be uh, remaking and, and, and creating new content. And they did. They released a video, a new Strong Bad music video. Do you think part of why they waited a while is just because they wanted uh, people, they wanted to just build it up again? Because, I mean, by the time that it, you know, by the time they stopped actually making anything, you know, people weren't paying a whole lot of attention to the site anymore. That they were just waiting for the nostalgia to come back. I think they were done. I think they had actually, like, washed their hands of the project and said, nope, we're good. And then there was demand to bring it back. I don't know if it'll come back in the same form that it was, but it, it is now back. There's a new video. If they kept it to, like, you know, one small update a month or something, they could probably keep it up without causing too much issue. Without, like, a, a ton of investment? Right. Yeah, they've probably spent, like, the last six months actually making content so that they could release a little bit here, a little bit there. That would be the smart to do. But it's back. Yay, Homestar Runner. Do you remember how much time we used to spend on that website? I did not, but I definitely know people who lost tons of time into there. I had friends who had every email memorized. Yeah, I didn't go that far. I knew, like, probably three of them really well, and then I knew of most of the emails and the peripheral content I knew next to nothing about. All right. Uh, We have, like, two topics left. And at least 15 minutes. So, let's dive into them. Okay. Uh, Chromecast is now not the only thing on the market. Possibly. Yeah, so Mozilla has come out and said, Hey, Google had a great idea. Some little thing that you can stick into your computer or your TV screen. A dongle, if you will. Hate that word. And not only are we going to do this same thing, and we'll try and do it better... But it's going to be $12. But that $12 is if you get it on Kickstarter. Okay, and what will it be if you don't get it on Kickstarter? 25 So still less than the Chromecast. Yes. So how is this different than the Chromecast? What are they saying they can do better? I'm on their Kickstarter right now. One thing I'm seeing is they are using an iPhone to uh, display which I imagine the Chromecast does not do very well. Uh, the Chromecast can do mirroring of an Android device. I don't know if it can mirror iPhone. does run on Firefox OS. Yeah, I guess I don't know enough about Chromecast to spot the differences. I mean, it just, the whole iPhone thing kind of jumped out at me because obviously Chromecast being a Google design probably did not even bother with iPhone or iOS. You can do Chromecast with iOS. Pretty sure you can. It looks like it's going to be using the same uh, icons as Chromecast, so that's good. I won't have, like, three icons on video. Like, which one do you want to send it to? I think Polyx is going to kind of boost it off of Chromecast for the looks of it. Well, hey, that's how technology advances. Someone comes up with something interesting, someone else gets cheaper and better. But we'll see if it actually is any better when it comes out. Yeah, I'm reading through the FAQ real quick, seeing if there's anything else down here that... Uh, that would be like a huge shift. I like what here. Can I split con- split screen content from multiple devices? They say it's not supported, but sounds awesome. Let's figure that out. Nice. I like these. Is it possible to develop multi-device games that use the matchstick as the game board? 
what did they answer? Multi-device game is a good idea. Matchstick's ability to support interactivity between a sender and receiver makes it a suitable platform to develop interactive games. Build it. <laughs> so can it do this? Yeah, go do it. It's awesome. That, that would be cool. I wonder if the Chromecast could do that too. I don't know. It looks like they are making the um, dev kit kind of easy to get hold of. That's good. The dev kit including the hardware or just the, the SDK? Uh, the SDK looks like it's very easy to get hold of. The hardware, it says they're making 250 prototypes available to qualified app developers. So the hardware is not going to be easy to get hold of, but the uh, dev kit is going to be probably pretty easy to get. So we'll see what happens with this, because I know I've been considering getting a Chromecast, um, but if this is coming out, maybe I'll hold off a little bit. We'll see. Yeah, I want to see what the main differences are. It's hard to say, like, what will it support, right? I mean, yes, it says you can stream from these devices, but it's got to go into the software as well. Unless they're on the Chromecast stuff and I just select this instead of a Chromecast. I think people would take, like, great defense. Dave, you need to figure out what key you're using and figure out if it's broken. It's not broken. I don't know why it doesn't work with you, but it's just fine for me. And when I'm watching Mumble, I'm seeing your little thing, like, blink on and off. And mine is showing that it's solid. Anyways. Yep. So anyway, so that you heard what I was saying before is that it, it's got to get baked into the software too, right? Like the YouTube app on your phone has to have the little icon that says send to Chromecast. So is Matchstick going to to kind of usurp that and it will pretend to be a Chromecast as far as the app is concerned? It's possible. We'll have to see. I mean, it is only 12 bucks. Oh, the 12 bucks are all gone. No, right now it's 18 on the Kickstarter, or if you wait until it's actually out and vetted, it's going to be more like 25. Is it worth the 18 bucks for the... You have two Chromecasts already. I do have two Chromecasts already. I also don't have a place for a, a third thing, but it would be curious. If you get it, give me one of those extra Chromecasts. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you want to just borrow a Chromecast and see what it's like, you can do that. I might. Okay, uh, what else do we got? Something about solar cells, and I think that's the last one. Okay, well, that works out pretty well, actually. So solar cells, there is a new uh, solar thing. There's a new solar cell. It's it. So the way a solar cell works is it gets hit with photons, and it turns that into electric current, which is really cool, and we can think... We can thank Albert Einstein for that because he's the one who proved that it could happen. Uh, but this is in this different configuration, it actually stores the energy that it's getting. Which, if this takes off, would be really, really cool. Yeah, because, you know, what you have to do right now is have the solar panels hooked up to a battery and they charge the battery and then you pull off the battery. Uh, this would be the solar cell itself is the battery. So I it also says it makes the uh, solar cell cheaper. Yay! I added this mostly because I thought it was a really cool new piece of tech and that people should be aware of it. There's actually been a lot of other stuff about solar in the news lately, about how solar has actually gotten to the point where it's it's cheaper. Like, it is one of the cheapest forms now in that you people should really start considering putting solar on their roof. Is that what you're going to do with your house? I don't know. Like, the house is actually facing in the right way that I could do that. 
my the the uh, edge of the roof, as it were, right? The the line at the top goes east west. So I could just put them on one side of the house, and they would be getting sun all day long. There is nothing blocking it. I don't have any tall trees. I'm on a hill. I'm on the southern side of a hill. Well, that could be interesting. I and mean, it's very much an investment if you want to do it or not. Yeah, something worth thinking about. I hadn't really been been planning that, but now that I think about the position of my, I mean, I also do live in Wisconsin, so the summer would be great. The winter would kind of suck. Yeah, and the winter is unfortunately more than three months. You know that that bit in Monty Python and the Holy Grail where they go through the seasons. Yep. And it skips some of the seasons. I feel like that happened to us. I wouldn't know. I haven't been out here long enough. Well, a week ago, it was summer. A week ago, it was 85 degrees and sunny, and you had to put on sunscreen because it was so friggin' hot and sunny. And it was supposed to snow last night. Isn't it supposed to get up into, like, the 70s or something this week? As I said, Monty Python. Oh, come on. It wouldn't be RA Podcast if we didn't talk about the weather a little bit. True. So let's see, what is the forecast for this week? Uh, 50s today, tomorrow 38 tonight, and highest it's supposed to get is the low 60s on Tuesday. Gotcha. So no, we've entered like end of fall, beginning of winter. Okay then. Welcome to Wisconsin. I came from Michigan, I can deal. I know. I have some coworkers who just came here a couple months ago from Texas. Oh, those poor bastards. They were loving the summer. They thought it was great. Like, oh, man, it's only like 94 degrees and 80 percent humidity. That's not bad at all. And now those poor, poor people. Now the the winter is starting and they are like freezing cold. They are layered up to, they you know, hats and gloves. I'm like, oh, you poor bastard. Yeah, just wait until there's a couple feet of snow. Yep. Okay. That is it for topics. Random review. Brendan, since you're subbing in for Andy, and I believe it's Andy's week, isn't it? I have no idea. Yeah, because last one was my review of Hack and Slash. So it's Andy's week. So, Brendan, what would you like to review? Uh, So there is a board game that I just got called Among the Stars. Dave has played this at least once. Twice twice now i kickstarted that earlier this year and it's actually a reprint of a game um that i had played a couple years ago once at a convention and never saw again after that so i got into the kickstarter and what it is is it's a game where you are building a space station pretty much from scratch uh, you have a power reactor that you start with and that's it and you draft cards and build out your space station uh the goal of the game is get the most points by making the most awesome space station some of which can get somewhat ridiculous and uh yeah so dave you you played it twice what do you think so far well it's it's a really cool concept uh it reminds me a lot of seven wonders in the the handling of building things that every turn you play a card and then you hand off your hand to someone else and they use it to build theirs. Everyone builds something every turn or does something every turn. Um, it feels a little limited. Like I would, 
I, and I know we haven't touched a lot of the expansions yet, so we've only looked at like the objectives expansion, but that there's so much more possibility of I could do something instead of build, or I could uh, improve or add on to a room. Gotcha. Um, as it stands, it takes up a lot of space. Yes, it does. Like, this game for four people takes up as much space as Twilight Imperium for six. I could see it. So the whole thing, um, we played the very base version, which is just you have cards, you're building your space station. Uh, There are a lot of little aspects you can include in the game, kind of like optional things. Like uh, you can each have a space race that has a special ability. Uh, Once you have that, there's this whole ambassador section where you can uh, invite ambassadors into your space station to get bonus powers. Um, there are what's called uh, conflicts where there's four different decks and you include one of them and instead of building or getting money you actually play a card against another player but like does that is it just something that happens like oh no i played the fact that an asteroid hit your station or is it like hey i have a bunch of military i'm gonna take over part of your station it's it varies which deck you're playing with um like one of them is actually kind of a virus that you when you play it you actually cure one of your sections and infect someone else's uh one of them is actually uh taxation where you actually look to see how much of one uh type another player has and if you have more than them then they have to pay you so uh, and I think there is one where you can actually destroy small portions of their station. Because, like, then it, it becomes very important. I mean, already it's kind of important about what you build where and what your what your station looks like. But if if I could destroy a piece of your station, then the shape becomes important, right? You put your most critical things on the inside because it's harder to get to them. Right, right. I mean, could you imagine the card that's like, remove a card that borders the edge of the station? Mm-hmm. And now imagine a station where it was like a long chain or an L shape, and you pull out the corner card. I want to say the one that I'm thinking of actually says, like, when you destroy something, it cannot split the station. Oh, but see, that's lame. That's lame. It should split the station, and they should lose that whole section. That's not connected to the main reactor. Be interesting to see. Because it totally changes how you'd build your station. Yeah, so I need to play more of it. Um, There's actually a small board game convention in Madison that I might be trying to run the game a couple times. We'll see. Just like nonstop? Probably not nonstop, but I may have like one or two official like ticketed events where I run it. Oh, nice. Yeah, I wish I could go to that convention, but I'm going to be in Washington, D.C. Yep. Which reminds me, I should really go buy tickets to go to Washington, D.C. That's like yeah, a month away. That's going to start getting expensive. Yeah, it's going to start getting very expensive. It probably already got very expensive. Probably not too expensive. So where can I buy Among the Stars? Um, the base game just got published for um, the states in North America by Stronghold Games, I think. Uh, If you want the expansions right now, you have to actually go to the creator's website and order it and have it shipped from Greece. 
They made it in Greece. Yep. That's interesting. So when my Kickstarter boxes got here, they had a whole bunch of customs labels on them. I bet they did. This is Artipia Games. Yes. Is the one that made Among the Stars. And the the new one has a much better scoring grid than the old grid, correct? The old grid is just like terrible. So the whole thing, when I was playing with Dave, he, I forgot if it was you or Lauren that made the comment of, you know, it's not the greatest scoreboard out there. At which point I pointed Dave towards the previous scoreboard they had in their first edition, which is one of the worst scoreboards I have seen. Yeah. And see, the thing is to me, like that's that kind of that's a little representative of the game as a whole. Like the attention that was paid to that feels like the attention that was paid to the game as a whole, that there were just there are small decisions that were made that are not the best decision or even really good decisions. So the game I don't know. is 30 euros, which equates uh, to, about to the 45, US, it's 37, bucks. yeah, 37 euros, so like 50 bucks. So it's a big box game. It is big because, as I said, it takes, like, the entire table for four people. Although it's just lots and lots of cards. There's actually a ton of empty space inside the main box. Yep. Until you start getting the expansions and stuff. Or if you're like me and you sleeve everything. Yep. So I enjoy the game quite a lot. Um, Honestly, I like it a little bit better than Seven Wonders because... While it does not have kind of the machine-building aspect where your cards determine what you're allowed to play, you have to think of it a lot more um, logically in terms of where you place your cards. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's definite strategy. Um, so far, the only strategy I've really used has been pick a card color and go with it. Which in most cases works. Uh, once you start getting some of the expansion stuff in there, that will change a little bit. Okay, well, that's that's actually what I was hoping to hear, because otherwise I was just going to keep going. With, I'm going to pick a color and go with it. Yeah, when when it starts getting to the point where players have different starting abilities, and then when you can hire other people to give you new abilities, you, you see some new uh, strategies kind of evolve out of that. All right, well, that's cool. There is also one kind of mini expansion where it's just six cards where at the beginning of each year you get a card that has a uh, – it's got two lines, one of which is if you succeed at this, you get bonus points. But if you fail in this way, you lose points at the end of that round. And so you have to really kind of plan out going, all right, you know, do I want to go for – the bonus points, do I want to just kind of stay level and not have anything happen, or do I just kind of give up on it and just take the penalty? So there there are a lot of different ways to play the game once you understand the basics and the mechanics of it. Yeah. I like the the uh, house rule variation that we also came up with, which was called playing golf. And so if you have a game like this, and this would apply to Seven Wonders as well, uh, who can score the lowest while still trying to score. So we, we put in rules and restrictions on like when you could do certain things and who can make the most inefficient station. No, we have not actually tried this yet. Nope. But I think we should. It would be interesting to see if we do, we should record it. Okay. I have a good microphone. We can try that. So anyways, among the stars, I approve wholeheartedly. I'm glad that you do because it's a fun game. I'm not sure I would pay the 36 euros to buy it. 
but it is a fun game. Maybe it's one of those games that'll end up on the board game arena. This would be a good game for like online play. It would. Um, I don't know if it would end up there because I don't know what kind of deals the publishers would have with that site. Yep. Okay. Random topic. This is one that a surprisingly large number of people have actually given thought to. Neither of us, or have you actually thought about this? Ah, not officially. Okay, me neither. If you had 24 hours to plan for the zombie apocalypse, what would you do? My immediate reaction is summon old gods, because clearly that's what works in human resources. Yeah, do zombies count as humans, though? No. I'm saying, like, you've got one apocalypse, so start another one. Oh, I see. Uh, okay, what would you do, Brendan? 24 hours. You have one day to plan. Well, first off... See, but what this is really asking you to do... Wait a minute, wait a minute. This is asking you, right now, what would you use the next 24 hours to plan? I'd use the next 24 hours to plan. That's the point of planning. I don't have a plan right now. Yeah, but just planning for 24 hours and then not taking any action would probably leave you hosed anyway. But the question is, if you had 24 hours to plan for it, it's not... You have 24 hours to prepare for it. All right, now you're just getting into the nitty-gritty and being a dick. Yes, I am, but that's what I do. But, seriously, like, if you, if you, okay, so should we, should we interpret the question? Because we've always said, like, it's what the question is asking. And so if you interpret it as there is, like, in 24 hours the zombie apocalypse will start, what do you do? I think this comes... That is a very different question than you have 24 hours to plan for the zombie apocalypse. I think this comes down to how much longer do we need to record, because if we are ready to stop now, we just say, okay, we plan, done. (laughs) But if we still need to record for a little bit, I think we should interpret. We we plan. I'm done planning. Ta-da. I mean, that's, that's my answer is, what would you do? I'd plan for 24 hours. I'd come up with something to either prevent the zombie apocalypse... Or a way to uh, get, I guess I could get prepared for it and try and outlive it. Can you survive a zombie apocalypse? I would say so. But then again, I've also read quite a lot of the Walking Dead comic books. Or is it like defeatist and you just say, nope, I'm going to, my plan is to go and find like a bunch of insulin and just inject it into my arm. Or do you take the Deadpool route and treat it like Christmas? See, but if you do that, chances of you getting sick are, oh, but it depends on what kind of zombie. Yeah, that's the thing, is there's so many types of zombies at this point that you're just like, okay then. Like, there's the, only you only turn into a zombie if you're a bitten zombie, there's the zombie apocalypse of bodily fluids. Bodily fluids. There's also the one where it's a weird virus where even if you don't come in contact with a zombie, if you die, you still become a zombie. Right. Or not even die. Like, you just need to be in the area with zombies. The infection will kill you and then turn you into a zombie. Right. I mean, there's just so many of them that it's just like, that I think would matter. Although I would imagine at that point you have no idea. Like, I would have no idea how to figure out what type of zombie apocalypse it was. But I guess that's what you have the 24 hours to plan for. Yeah, I would just buy lots of swords and armor and food. Swords? Dude! Close combat with zombies? Yeah, but you don't run out of ammunition at that point. So, like, spears, something that's a little further away. Swords are are close. What if it gets on you? That's why I said armor. (laughs) 
So like swords and a biohazard suit? Well, I I don't think I'd go that far. I'd probably go, you know, a uh, motorcycle helmet and then go to like a sporting goods store and get, you know, some hockey gear or something. Depending. Leather jacket. And- yeah, just something that's a little tougher than normal. No, that's so let's let's say you, you you need to prepare. What do you do? You, so you go and, and go to the sporting goods store and buy stuff. So you take the uh, the dead rising approach. A little bit. I mean, sporting goods store would probably be good for defensive equipment. And then there's got to be some kind of, you know, fan uh, like fantasy blade store or something. Although those are probably cheap blades. So the other question is, are they smart zombies or are they stupid zombies? So pretty much are you saying, you're saying like, um, oh, I can't even remember. I am legend versus, you know, walking dead kind of thing. Right. Because if they're smart zombies, like they can set traps and they can figure out ways into things. You're kind of screwed. If they're smart zombies, we're screwed anyways. Then again, if they're smart zombies, is it really so bad being a zombie? Yeah, that's true. Like, who's to say it's not the same person that was there before? Now I gotta think about that. Didn't they make a movie about that? Like, some kind of goofy spoof movie? Uh-uh. The only goofy spoof movie I remember for zombies was Zombieland, which was awesome. Oh, I heard they're making a sequel to that, finally. Damn it! That's less than awesome. It depends on the sequel. That movie was good where it was. It should be left alone. Some sequels aren't bad. Captain America 2 is better than the first one. Winter Soldier? I thought so. Okay. I mean, the first one was good. I I think we're getting off topic, though. Oh, come on. That's par for the court, and you know it. Yeah, but I think that also signals that we're at a good place. So, uh, yeah, so so what would you do for the zombie apocalypse? I would run up my credit card. I mean, the the actual answer to the the actual question is plan, but for preparing, Brendan's going to go for the the sporting goods store. For me, it depends what kind of zombies and what to expect. Uh, Probably find a nice protected area that has food that we can continue to grow, and I would gather all of my friends there and enough people to potentially survive and repopulate. So, farmhouse... So, basically, I'd make a vault. Farmhouse in the middle of nowhere probably wouldn't be the worst. No, God, it is so infected. Why, you don't think the middle of nowhere approach is a good one? Oh, hell no. Like, you want to be at the outer edge of where there are people. You don't want to be in the middle of the city. That's a bad idea. I'm curious. Have you seen or read or played anything Walking Dead related? Nope. I'm curious what you would think of how they approach a lot of the uh, trials, I guess. Alright, well, maybe I will start watching or reading Walking Dead. I would recommend reading the comics and possibly playing the game. Uh, After those, the TV show just didn't do it. I mean, the first season was alright, but you're better off with the cop. I can just, I can play your version of Walking Dead. Yeah, go for it. I got uh, both seasons of it. Okay. Cool. Um, I think that's it then. Alright. All right, that's a wrap. This has been another episode of the Random Access Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, corrections, suggestions, remarks, reviews, rebukes, retorts, or just rants, feel free to contact us. You can find us on Twitter at RAPodcast, or send us an email at mail at RAPodcast.net. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.